Praise the Lord, saints. Another beautiful Sunday. Amen. Not only in terms of being bright and sunny out outside, but also us being alive. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to, unfortunately, be profane today. I'm going to drop a four-letter word on y'all. Amen. So y'all just got to excuse me. You know, people don't like four-letter words, but I, I'm going to be right out there with it. Four-letter word. But here it is. The word is hate. We're going to talk about hate today. Amen? And I'm sure based upon the things we've seen in the news, the things that have been going around in this country, that this is something that all of us, amen, need to l examine and make sure that we're not allowing ourselves to be caught up in anything that is ungodly. Amen? So today we're going to talk about hate. Our text scripture is Proverbs chapter 4 verses 20 through 23. Amen. Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. My son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you, Lord, in this time and season, Lord, for allowing us to partake of your word, for allowing us to abide by your spirit, for just loving us so much that uh, before the foundation of this world, you saw fit to bring us forth in this time and season. We know, Father, even though the circumstances may seem bleak and may be harsh, that, Father, you have called us for such a time as this, Lord, but we have to do it and walk in it according to your ways, according to your perceptions, according to your word, and as led by your spirit. So today, right now, Father, we yield ourselves to your spirit and to your word. We ask you, Father, to do a work in us from the top of our head to the soles of our feet, both internally, externally, in our emotions, in our spirit, man. We praise you. Thank you, Father, that we would not leave out the same way we came in, but that with the residue and the weight of this world system will be lifted off of us, and you would enable us to walk according to the spirit of liberty by which we are made free. And we thank and give you the praise, honor, and glory for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hate. Simple four letters. Amen. Hate. But it's such a powerful, dramatically heavy weight that can be placed upon each one of us. And here's the thing, we gotta be realizing as we're dealing with these various things and we're seeing things in the news and we're having conversations and we're interacting with people of different persuasions that may not see the things that we see the same way or may have not encountered some of the experiences that we've encountered that we cannot allow their perceptions or the reality of whether or not they've gone through the same thing or understand or even care about what we deal with. We can't allow that to taint us as children of God, amen? I've seen a lot of posts that people have been lashing out in anger, and sometimes people have been lashing out with contempt, but we have to rise above all that and do things according to the Spirit of God, and that's why this passage of Scripture is very relevant for us in this time and season, amen? God tells us, according to his word here, to attend to his word, amen? That means for us to align ourselves with his word, Hallelujah. In good times and bad times. In times in which we have understanding and cooperation. In times when people are in disagreement with us. Amen. It tells us to attend to his word. That means for us to keep our minds focused on. To instead of allowing the circumstances to distance us away from God. For us to draw closer to him. That instead of allowing our hearts and minds to get hard. Based upon things we see or things that even occur to us. That we would not blind ourselves. We would not stuff our ears. That we would not block our minds and heart from hearing the word. And the still small voice of God that will reach out to us. To tell us how we should perceive things. How we should act and speak. Or sometimes not act or speak. Amen. Attend to his word. In other words, stand side by side. Be on call. Be on high alert to respond to the call of God as it beckons unto you. And it tells us here to incline our ear unto his sayings. Amen. When I was in school, and even now, if I'm sitting under somebody speaking, a lot of times they'll see that somebody looking at the audience at me might say, ooh, that's a rough customer. Because they'll see me leaning forward. I got my eyebrows down and it's not that I dislike what they're saying but I'm attending to what they're saying like I'm zoning in and one of the things that 
it, I have to work on is that when people are doing that little small talk and talking about the mall and, oh, well, can you hand me this and do that? And they just small talk. I'm like, you about to get hurt. Because I'm attending to what the person is saying. Shut up. I got to watch myself not to say, shut up. Because I'm attending to what is being spoken to me and I have a respect for and see a value in that which is being spoken to me. So don't prevent me and hinder me from hearing what is said. Amen. And that's what God is saying here about his word. Incline thyself to it. When God is speaking, don't stuff your ears. Don't be focused elsewhere. Don't be daydreaming. No, you need to lean in to what God is saying and attend to his word. And he says here, let them not depart from thine eyes as you're walking the street on a daily basis and you see things occurring. Amen. The word of God should balance. Amen. It should act as a lens or a filter that governs how you let the things you see through your eye gates affect you internally. Amen. And it says you need to keep them in the midst of your heart. You got to realize that it's so important that the word of God penetrates and goes down into the midst of your heart because that is the core of who you are. Amen. That's why God warns us. Amen. When we get saved, he tells us immediately that we get the helmet of salvation. Why is that? Because God knows the key to getting to your core is getting through those ear gates, getting your mind. And if you don't have the word of God and the spirit of God to filter that stuff down, it'll go down into your heart. And once it gets in there, it's very difficult to uproot. Amen. That's why God is telling us here. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Bury the principles in the word of God deeply in your heart to protect it. You put a force field around your heart so that the things that are happening, the things that are spoken, the things that are being done, the injustices that you're seeing don't penetrate. Because God says, I don't want you to be hardened. I don't want you to be wounded. I don't want you to carry the wounds and the weights and the baggage of what this world system are placing upon you. Guard your heart insulate it, hide it, conceal it, fortify it, put a fortress and a wall around it that is comprised of my word so that the things, the darts and fiery, the fiery darts and arrows of this world system and the devil's attacks will not come in and penetrate you and alter the core of who you are. Amen. God sees you that precious. God wants you to say that refined and that purified before him. God wants you to come before his presence, not having to get through all the muck and mire of all that stuff you allow to come in and, and even worse, come in and corrupt you. God says, I want you to stay pure before me. Amen. And how can we reach the world if we're just as hard as the world? We got to allow the word, amen, to continue to do that process of finding, refining and reproving and performing surgery on us. So God tells us here, keep thy heart with all diligence. That word keep means to protect. And if you're their parents, you know you protect your children with your life. And that child could get on your last begotten nerve. And you can even say that phrase that we never mean, but we say, I'm going to kill you. When I get my hand, wait till I get my hands on you, I'm going to kill you. And you can smack little Johnny on the bottom, smack little Susie on the back of the head, but let somebody else mess with them. Lord Jesus, we need to pray for the person that you're about to come into contact with and pray that the Spirit of God settles you down before you can get your hands around their neck. In Jesus' name sometimes, amen. <laughs> you got to protect your heart. It's a treasure, Amen. It's a treasure trove of the characteristics and compassion of God. And God says, I want you to protect that thing. Realize that the devil gets in there. It's so hard to get delivered. And so many battles that you're going to lose once he gets down to that inner sanctuary of your being. Amen. Protect your heart. He also says here the word keep also means to maintain. You got to maintain your heart. You cannot be dismissive or small-minded and say, hey, I woke up last Tuesday and zippity-doo-dah, zippity y'all happy and rolled out of the bed like, ah, I feel great. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. It's a great day. And then the next day, well, because I woke up with a zippity-doo-dah day yesterday, I don't have to guard my heart today. And then everything, let's face it, the day from hell. And then, oh, my God, it was a way down. Oh, my God, what happened to me today? Boy, these people get on my ass nerve. 
And you can't allow that stuff to settle in and become something that continues to circulate in your mind. It's something that makes you bitter and angry and, host and, and hostile and despondent and depressed and disillusioned that, to make you feel insecure and, and, and inadequate. Amen? You can't allow that stuff to get in there. Because God says, hey, if you let that stuff come in, it's going to start to filter down into your heart. So God says, you got to do maintenance on it. See, we don't find it a strange thing to go take our cars and get service. You know, once a quarter, you know, or every four seasons or every 3,000 miles, go in and get that oil change. You know, you don't need two ups like you used to because of the way they're making the cars, but you got to get that oil change. You get the tires rotated. Why? Because you want the car to last as long as possible, or even if you decide to sell it, you want it to be of such a good value that you can get a good price or trade in, you know, when you get rid of it. You maintain that car because it's important to you. But why is it that we choose not to maintain the greatest treasure that you have inside of you outside of the Spirit of God, your heart? You have to maintain your heart. Amen? So you wake up happy one day. The next you have a bad day. You got to do maintenance. You got to go to the Word of God and say, hey, I got to perform a diagnostic. Something's wrong in my system. Lord Jesus, I don't know what it is, but I know I'm agitated. Something ain't feeling right. I got to go in the Word of God. And that's why it says that the, the, the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And it says that through the Word of God, amen, he says, it says the Word is the discerner, the thoughts and intents of the heart. You may not know how to diagnose yourself, but the Word of God does. And it'll get in there, and as Nikki says, it'll get in there and get rid of all that yuck. Or was it, yuck, yuck? It'll get rid of that yuck, yuck. You got to perform maintenance on your heart. The word keep also means to obey. You know, sometimes you got to do some things in God that you don't necessarily... What to do? Hey, we could be just as mature as we want to be, but there's times where you got to go apologize or keep that mouth shut or not react. There's times where you may even feel a little embarrassed or they're going to think I'm weak if I don't respond or retaliate or do something in response to what they did to me. But God says here, part of you keeping your heart is to align it to be in obedience with the word of God. Amen. So this is a process that we need to do. And then finally, it talks about to preserve or to conceal. You need to preserve your heart. You need to conceal your heart. Don't expose your heart to everybody, in other words. Because some people are going to pretend to be your friend, smile on your face, but it's like that sign, smile on your face. All the time they want to take your place, the backstabbers. Backstabbers. You better watch it. Amen. Now you have front stabbers. And look at this thing. I'm just stabbing you in the heart and the forehead. Amen? You got to preserve and, and, and conceal your heart. So see, we see we got some work to do. Amen? And we look at the circumstances of all the things going on, like I said, in the streets and the news and conversations and stuff like that. It is even more crucial now that we keep maintenance upon our heart, minds, and spirits on a daily basis. I did a sermon on Haiti a year ago. As y'all know, we were in the midst of a series. I was praying the other day. As a matter of fact, yesterday, I, I woke up and I was discouraged. Nothing bad going on in my life. Actually, things have been going good, but I woke up with a spirit of discouragement. It took a while for me to pray and listen to some praise and worship as I was doing yard work to lift it off. And the Lord showed me, he says, not you. He says, the spirit that's in the atmosphere. Amen? You feel the weight of that. And then he said, you're not preaching on that series tomorrow. You're going to switch over to this because this is what's necessary. In this time of season, we've got to deal with hate. Yeah. And none of us wants to sit there and say, oh, well, oh, no, not little old me. Okay, so why you flip out then when somebody said something one time too many? Why'd you go off when they did that or said that the wrong way? Why'd you, uh, I don't know, put aside my Christianity? Well, first of all, how are you going to put aside your Christianity? Your Christianity should be too precious for you to ever put it to the side. What if you put it to the side and you die? Oops, I left my Christianity over there. You better watch the stuff you say. <laughs> so we have to maintain our, our, our hearts. And the reason is the Lord placed in my heart that the enemy is using a mixture 
of daily conflicts, incidents in the news, fear of various calamities and other devices to separate us or opposite sides according to race, religion, culture, age, political beliefs, all, so, all kinds of stuff. Y'all wear blue. We wear green. It's almost like Dr. Seuss. You know, we got stars and they don't have stars on Mars. Just ridiculous stuff. Amen? And it's about that ridiculous. Some of the stuff that people are having beef and controversy and about to kill each other. Man, look on, on Facebook. It's daily assassinations. Daily. People just killing each other. Don't even realize it. People that were friends for years and years and it's one thing to disagree, but why you got to assassinate that person in your response? And see, that does not come out of nowhere. You can't write that stuff. You can't think that stuff. You can't say that stuff unless that stuff is buried down there in, in, inside of you. And, man, and here's the thing. It doesn't matter whether the person does you wrong or not. The fact that you can allow that come out of you shows you that even before the conflict raise this ugly head, there was something already in you that was waiting to manifest. So we all got work to do. I know I do. And if you don't, hey, y'all can come sit me down to teach me how to live right. There's no way I'm going to sit here and lie and say all the different things I've heard and seen and witnessed don't have an effect. So as a result, I have to choose to keep daily maintenance upon myself. You know, they talk about the news phrase, breaking news. Oh, yeah, it's breaking news. It's breaking the spirits of people. Amen? The latest news flash, breaking news. You watch the breaking news, and you walk around. Number another bad thing happened. It's breaking news. <laughs> it's breaking people's spirits. It's breaking people's perceptions. It's breaking relationships between people that may have been friends for years. And we're seeing that the enemy is doing stuff to provoke hatred in people at a higher level than ever before. And here's the thing. Even if you haven't succumbed to it, you've walked around floating on and you're just like Jesus. You still need to be aware of it and then watch for it because at some point you could be influenced by it. Amen? Last phrase that the Lord gave me for, from this passage says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Out of what? Out of thy heart. Or what? The issues of life. In other words, there's a current that flows out of you. Out of it are the issues of your life. See, the news, what people are doing and saying, all these different things going on, that's not what controls the issues of your life. God says here, for out of it, your heart is the issues of life. So Kelly and I can see the same exact thing. If my heart is corrupted and his heart is pure and we both deal with the same horrendous thing, somebody says something nasty to us, because his heart is kept and guarded, the thing that flows out of him from that issue is I walk in forgiveness. That was nasty. That was despicable. How can you speak to me in such a fashion? And even though he's hurt or offended, because he's guarded his heart, ooh, I felt the dagger. I don't want to be impure before God. Let me go back to the word. Lord, you got to help me. Lord Jesus, I was about to say, I was about to do, and the stuff I thought in my mind, there's a spirit of murder in there, Lord. You got to deal with me because I'm trying to keep my heart. And because he does that, he was walking according to the issues that were flowing out of his heart in goodness and purity and peace. The enemy throws a, a dagger to try to get him off course. But because he says, oh, I feel I'm going off course. Let me dive, run with haste, go into the word of God to keep myself on the right track. He continues to flow Amen. in the current of God in the right issues of life. Now let's take the other side of the coin. I've allowed myself to be angry, corrupted. Don't matter if I said it to him, said it to you. 
showed any body language or anything like that indicating that I've got something buried down deep inside of me. Same heinous, ugly thing was said. He grabbed onto the horns of the altar. God, forgive them, forgive me, purify my heart, and let me continue to flow in the stream of your divine principles. I take that thing, and whether I said something back or whether I walked away, let's be real, pissed me off. I could kill that. I put my arm, ooh, you gotta be lucky people around. And I go home, and I sit around all day. And you know how we do. Oh, you replay that movie over and over. <laughs> and you know, you said something, you, you get back home. Dag on, I should have said this. Yep. And you know what? And, and if I said that, oh, I would have shut him down. Good. Yeah. I would have made him look stupid. And then you get mad. Well, you know what? Him and it was five people in the room. So not only am I a punk to him, but now they all think I'm soft. So now you really agitate. See that? Ooh. And you, you go around, and I don't go in the presence of God, and I let that stuff simmer and simmer and simmer. And then I go to bed at night, and I don't even go to God and say, Lord, take this bird off of me. And I wake up the next morning, and the next morning, and the next morning, maybe not in the, ne the same situation, but day one, one person says something. The next day, Tony says something. Next day, Phil says something. And I keep piling on and on and on and on all the baggage of what people did to me. And I walk around Mount Vesuvius waiting to erupt. And then one day, I'm just, believe me, I'm throwing names out there. <laughs> I ain't got no faith against anybody. <laughs> one day, I come along and Marnie says something that I don't like. Boom! Here comes all of a sudden. Whoo! It's going to be a <laughs> volcanic uh, winter. <laughs> all this ash in the air and all this lava flowing in. And Parnese is like, where did, where did all that come from? Because I not only get her for what she said, but I get her for what Tony did and Phil's did and Mark did and everybody else did. But then I had the nerve to say, oh, no, I'm just walking in peace with God. No, you're not. No, you're not. And you got to realize, as I, just as I said, that Kelly, when he, when he did the right process, and even though he got jarred and got shifted off course, did the right process and went to the Word of God and kept himself on the stream of God in that current because what was flowing out of him is in alignment to the Word of God. The same way, if I choose to hold on bags and stuff like that, Man, that is a ship that is going down rapids. White water rapids. Then you get to the end, you go off the cliff. Then it could be a, a whirlpool in the middle of your ocean and you just spiral and spiral around and go down to the funnel. And at some point you get totally shipwrecked. He said, Why how did I get here? I'm a good Christian. Oh yeah, you are, but you're a Christian that did not process the stuff and you did not keep and guard your heart. See, you got, you got to realize the consequences, the price you will pay if you don't do God's word is so much greater than anything anybody can ever do to you. You got to choose that no matter what they do. It's not important enough to get me outside the will of God or what God has me to walk in and flow in in this time and season. For out of it, your heart, are the issues of life. And here's the thing. That stream, that current that I said is coming out of you and out of your heart, not only are you riding the current of that thing, but guess what? Anytime you got a flood, floodwaters raging by, guess what? It grabs other stuff that go along with it. And that's why you see, oh no, don't mess with him. Stay away from him. Oh, he look agitated today. Clear out. Because you're not trying to get caught, you're not trying to get swept up in the wave of what that person is bringing into your life. So you may not want to admit it. Other people see it. Out of your heart flows the issues of your life. And here's the thing. The flow is in terms of your perceptions and how you see stuff, how you react and, and perceive things. I talk about it. I've said this a number of times. 
when we have ourselves seated in heavenly places and when we cast down imaginations and we see things according to the word of God, God elevates us spiritually so that we see things according to a God's eye view. So though I walk in the flesh, amen, I'm not controlled, governed, defined, hindered by the things of the flesh. And instead, I'm seeing things. You know what? It's not about me and my flesh and how I feel right now, God. Taking the perch and elevating myself to see things as you do and seeing how you look down upon my circumstances. How do you see things? It enables us to see things with clarity. Amen? Out of your heart flows the issues of life. And you'll even see that. You'll run across somebody that, regardless of age, like, man, they seem so bitter, so defeated, so negative. You can see it in people. It's just all over. See, it starts in your heart, and then it comes outward and manifests itself in your everyday life. Trying to start a new business, trying to start a new relationship. One thing happens, a setback person who has out of the issues of the heart goodness and purity and holiness will see a setback and but I still believe God I still praise God I still trust in God the person who does not have the right issues flowing out of their heart here we go again man this stuff always happens to me dang everywhere I go it's always something else out of the issues of your heart and see here's the thing out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. You start to short circuit, destroy, as I said before, commit spiritual arson out of the abundance of your heart because that stuff is buried down deep. You start speaking forth ungodly prophecies over your own life. And you may have spoken something good before. I'm believing God for that new job. Praise God. Then you don't hear from them. See, they probably picked somebody else. Now, I killed myself trying to get that job. Bought a new suit. Put on some cologne. Drove for an hour. Man, they took me through four interviews. Wasted all my daggone time. Didn't you just say, I'm believing God for that job? So where's all this? Wasted my time. You, you killed it. <laughs> Sometimes God will even test you in that. I had a job, I had, when I worked for Fannie Mae, um, not the candy one, but the mortgage one, they took me through four or five levels of interviews, starting with my immediate supervisor up to, I think, of one, of the, one of the senior VPs, multiple levels. And I didn't hear from them. No yay, no nay, no, hey, you know, really appreciate your time, but what somebody else, nothing. So I'm like, okay, I just guess I didn't get it. I just moved on, didn't think about it. Nine, I think it was nine months later, call me. We finally finished interviewing, and we'd like you to take the job. I literally had to be reminded what the job was. So the thing is, I could have been negative and speaking this, and, well, they only give you the courtesy even contact you back. The whole time I was on the radar, they interviewed over 250 people. I was on the early part of the process. So, yeah, it might have been nice if they said, hey, Brian, still keeping you in mind. You know, didn't pick anybody yet, just be patient with us. They didn't do that. But the thing is, what was my mindset? See, out of the issues of your heart flows your life. It controls your perceptions in every part of your life. And that's why you can't allow hatred at any level to get in there because it will literally govern the flow of where you go. And even when God tries to bless you with opportunities, it will taint the opportunities because you'll see it from your wounds, from your hurts, from your anger and bitterness. So something God could be literally opening the door wide open. You won't see it for what it is because you've got on the sunglasses of my anger, my bitterness, or my hurt, my wounds, my disappointments, my discouragements, my inadequacies, my insecurity. Oh, well, the list goes on and on and on. Keep your heart. Amen. So we we're talking about the issue of hate today. You might say to yourself, I don't hate anybody. I just get agitated from time to time. I'm not hateful. 
Galatians 5, 1 through 9 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor er uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. Now, before I get into a couple of things I made as comments, one thing that actually caught me this time too, but faith worketh by love. I'm believing God for ABC, XYZ, but allow hatred, anger, bitterness, wrath, hostility to take control of my heart. Well, how can you believe God? And how can you empower your life to achieve your dreams and God's plan for your life when you allow hatred and animosity and bitterness to come in when God says right there, faith worketh by what? Love. Faith does not work by your attitude. I'm believing God, but y'all get on my nerves. Praise God, he's going to give me the victory. I better not cross paths with Tony because she, she in for it. What she said to me last week? But praise God, I'm going to get this. Oh. Yeah, say something. Say something. I'm, 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 I'm putting humor in there, but that's the stuff that people do. I'm believing God. Oh, yes, praise the Lord. And that's why we got to guard and keep our heart because it's easier for us to fool ourselves into saying I'm keeping and guarding my heart when a person that agitated you isn't around. But what are you going to do when they cross your path? What are you going to do when you wake up with them on your spirit in the morning? Are you going to pray for them or like, seriously, I woke up with that knucklehead in my head? I hope, uh, if you can hope uh, something, it doesn't matter if you finish the sentence or not. It doesn't matter whether or not you do something or not. If the, if the thought that I wish and the end result of that sentence is not something positive, that shows you there's something in your heart negative and ungodly about that person. Stop justifying it. Stop stepping the issue. Stop trying to say, well, well, I understand I got this, but it's be Lame excuses. What does God say? Jesus had every right to be offended at all of us. And that's part of an ongoing process. Dealing with us. Lord Jesus, you deal Lord Jesus, you dealing with us. God help you. <laughs> He's not dealing with us. Lord, Lord, just dealing with Brian Foss is enough. <laughs> he got to deal with me. <laughs> and did, didn't get to y'all. <laughs> no wonder he ever lives <laughs> to make intercession for us. <laughs> you know, I made a joke. Hey, he's finished. He's done. He's not weighted down by us. But I'm just using the analogy that we say, oh, well, we don't understand how much work it takes for me to forgive that person and let them go. Well, what if Jesus had the same mindset up in heavenly places? You know how much work it is to get over Mark and Brian and Kelly. God, do you see what Andrea did yesterday? <laughs> Wait a minute, Andrea. Because the other one, our other friend is Andrea. <laughs> you see what Andrea did yesterday? I mean, could you imagine if Jesus had that excuse? We'd be horribly damned. I'm using the word from the Bible. We'd be eternally damned and cast out of the outer darkness if Jesus made similar excuses. But what did Jesus do? He made a decision. And yes, he loves us. He's all, he's all love. But 
Quite frankly, it's like Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? He chose to forgive us despite ourselves. And we, you know, Jesus tells us in the book of Luke, he said, we will be like him and follow him. He said, deny yourself and pick up your cross daily. What was Jesus' cross? Now, we're walking in the likeness of Jesus Christ. So if we're picking up a cross daily, we've, we've corrupted the word and told ourselves, well, my cross daily is my daggone job I can't stand. Oh, these kids get on my last nerve. Oh, my husband, if only he get his life together. Oh, sister so-and-so down the street. And my neighbor, he keeps his dog keep coming in my yard. We think that's our cross. That is not your cross. That's simple everyday annoyances. We're walking in the lake of Jesus, right? We agree with that? The cross of Jesus was taking the weight of a sin-ravaged world, putting it upon his back, and lifting that weight off so that people could be atoned and see God and accept him for eternal life. That was the cross of Jesus Christ, taking somebody else's burden. So we're walking in the likeness of Jesus Christ. Our cross is not our mess and our frustrations. Our cross is in a similar manner to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who said, greater works than, than what I did you shall do. Our cross is that person gets on my nerve. Let me lift that weight off so they can see Jesus. That is your cross. See, we corrupt the world to make, we, we corrupt the word to make it simple for ourselves. Define our own cross. That is not, that ain't got nothing to do with the cross. That is just trials and tribulations and little petty stuff to mature us and to test us to see how, if we as spiritual as we try to present ourselves to be. Those are not crosses. Our crosses is to take burdens off the lives of other people who can't see Jesus. And by us praying and interceding and walking in love and compassion, that weight comes off of them. The attacks of the devils, the blindness that the devil puts upon them gets lifted off so now they can accept Jesus Christ as well. That is the cross we should be bearing, period. It ain't about them getting on your nerves. That is not your cross. Amen? That is your area for growth and development. Now, it, it talks in here, it's saying that we allow stuff. It says, you ran well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? See, there's stuff that we've gotten saved, we lifted off the yoke of bondage, and now we're walking in the freedom and liberty. And God says, hey, it's not about rituals, circumcision. That profits you nothing. You want to walk in me? And demonstrate that the light of Christ and the Spirit of God is working in you. He says it's not about ritual, but it's by you walking in faith and love. And he said you ran well, but you let stuff hinder you. Anger. Bitterness. Frustration is not dealt with. Prejudice things that happen. Injustices that you allow to be in your heart. You don't process them right to lift them off and allow you to operate and forgiveness and to pray for the good of those who despitefully use and abuse you and you know you, they, they slap you on the cheek you turn the other cheek instead of walking in the principles of God you allow that stuff to get in and Jesus says here he asks the question how'd you allow this stuff to hinder you like seriously come on you were, you were running well you're doing so good what happened it's a rhetorical question he knows <laughs> what did it but he's saying How'd you allow this stuff to hinder you from running well? You were running well. Now you've gone from running well to jogging to now you're dragging your foot, crippled with the weight of all that baggage you're carrying. That's the thing. You're walking with a self-inflicted injury. God said, I took off the yoke of bondage. Why'd you allow the yoke to get back on? And here's the thing. The yoke of bondage, if we're really talking about it, it's a yoke they're talking about oxen is around your neck. You are walking according to the Spirit of God because you allow hatred and animosity and frustrations and bitterness to take root. Instead of being led by my Spirit, now you're being led by every whim and attack and device of the enemy. So God may be showing you opportunities right ahead, but instead, because that person annoyed you, you're getting pulled into conflicts with them. Because that person frustrated you, you're getting pulled over here. And God's saying the path is right here, really clear. But here you are being yo-yo. They get on my nerves. They frustrate me. Oh, they make me so angry. Ooh, when I see them again. Look at everything that's being missed out on. And that's why Jesus is looking. You ran well. 
come on. That's, that's trifling stuff. I said it earlier, giants don't let themselves get agitated and governed and controlled by gnats. The attacks of the enemy are nothing but little imps, gnats, in comparison to what the Spirit of God has placed inside of us. Amen? And I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. But the more you exercise the Word of God and obey the Spirit of God, the stronger you get and the easier it becomes. Amen? So he asked us, he said, hey, how'd you allow this to happen? And he said, don't you realize at the end of this, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Those of you who have baked, you know, sometimes they say, uh, you know, drop some yeast in there. And you let the bread rise or the cake or whatever you're making. You, you let it sit there for a while and it rises. And then you make this nice, beautiful cake. Hopefully, you know, chocolate icing on it. Oh, God, lost in the cake. Okay, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but you put the yeast in there. Now, you put too much, you ruin the cake. But you put the right, without the yeast, the dough never rises. So something that small, a lot of times just a little, a pinch, has that much impact that it took some dough that just laid there flat, just a little pinch of yeast Cause it to rise up to this big loaf or a cake or whatever you were making. And so it is with us and our baggage and our wounds and our agitations and our frustrations and our malice and our hostility and our straight out hatred. A little pinch. That's why God warns us. He says here, a little leaven. It don't take a lot of conflict and hostility and negative statements and slanders and accusations. It doesn't take a lot to taint you and destroy or corrupt the whole being. Just a little pinch. A little dabble, do you? Just a little pinch. And that's why it tells us it's so important here that we guard ourselves. You know, as these things are occurring, as we see things, you can't sit back, in other words, and be complacent and say, oh, well, that, that bugged me, but oh, it's just a little thing. Only takes a little pinch. Guard your heart. Watch that little pinch. Because that little pinch, undealt with, can grow into something large that controls, once again, the issues of your life. It's a funny thing that people don't see that. Little unforgiveness. And they don't see how a little unforgiveness may be dealt with that happened five, ten years ago. They're still ten years later. Man, just can't seem to be successful in any job. All my relationships end this way. Every time I turn around, why does this keep happening? Well, probably some leaven back there that exploded and has infected the whole lump. And the word infected is a good thing. The word talks about a root of bitterness springing up. And it says, thereby many get defiled. Notice that? Many get defiled. Not just you. Defilers defile other people. And we as Christians, come on. We're supposed to be allowing the light to shine, the light of Christ. How are we impacting people in a positive manner when we're allowing hatred and animosity to come inside of us? We're anointed to spread things. Amen? You're anointed to spread and to seed and to plant and to water. And done the right way, God gets the increase. But as I said, you know, before we had a spiritual gift series, I was like, the devil will try to take the innate qualities that God has placed within us and corrupt them so that instead of God's glory being brought out of your life, instead to pollute and contaminate and to spread contamination into the lives of people. You're the one that has a choice of whether or not, uh, whichever way it goes. That word leaven in the underlying Greek means fermenting. Bubbling up, boiling over. Oh, wasn't that big a deal? It's not dealt with. That thing's percolating. You ever see one of the old coffee pots percolating? You know, you see that thing on Maxwell House. <laughs> Used to see the thing bubbling over. Oh, some of that stuff inside of us is percolating. 
And just like that coffee when it comes out hot and will burn you, or that stuff percolating underneath the surface of you when it comes out, or it'll burn a lot of people. And, and people say, oh, well, I didn't mean that. Oh, yes, you did. Oh, yes, you did. I tell people, like, you know what? I might argue with you and get mad and say something, and I will apologize and say, forgive me for what I said, but I never will tell a person I didn't mean what I said. Oh, I, knew, I meant exactly what I said. It may have come out the wrong way, but I meant exactly what I said. Because if it wasn't in there, it wouldn't be able to come out of you. It's just that the thing that triggered it coming out was your anger and frustration. But you meant, you meant exactly what you said. It's just the, the way it came out with the double-barrel shotgun. It was a little embarrassing after the fact, but the fact is you meant it. So don't come here with this, oh, oh I didn't mean well. Oh, yes, you did mean exactly what you said. You just weren't sitting down. Well, you know, when um, you come in and to, to, the, the corp, to the office and, you know, you take pens off my desk uh, without my permission, um, that, that bothers me. You just wait until it takes, it, you take another thing off my desk, I will choke you out. See, you still buy either, either approach, the gentle, well, would you please ask me for this? Or the me, do it again, I'll choke you. Either way, the truth is still the same. Don't take my pens without my permission. It's just the one made you manifest and lash out, but the fact is you still meant don't take my pens. And so it goes with things that blow up from relationships, from organizations, wherever it is. You meant exactly what you said. It's just that now, after you cool down, you're a little embarrassed by the way that you allowed it to explode into the face of the other person. Amen? So it ferments. It bubbles up. It boils over. Uh, um, my martial arts instructor, he makes this stuff called didajow. And it's good for your, um, it, it's pretty potent. You just put a little on, you can have a bruise or soreness, you just take like a little Q-tip and rub it on. If I got a bruise or something like that, a couple of days, it's, it's typically gone because it's so potent. But there's this process he goes through in making it. Amen. So he'll, he'll take um, these Chinese herbs. It's like a, a Chinese formula he got. He mixed the, all these herbs together with different liquids, and he'll let it sit two weeks or three weeks, whatever the process is, and he'll come back. Okay, round two now. I need to add the following herbs, blah, blah, blah. He takes us through this whole process to make it potent, and then before it's ready to use, it, ha it, has, to be, it has to be made in a glass container so it can't be contaminated from external stuff, and he puts it in darkness. So, matter of fact, I bought a gallon of it uh, before it was ready, so he actually put a label on here, don't use this until such and such a date, and put it in dark. So, right now, it's sitting in my, in my house um, in Pam's cedar closet downstairs, pushed all the way back in the dark. So I'm like, I always joke, I was like, by the time I get through this gallon, I was like, this thing's going to cure AIDS. I'm like, one drop, bam. <laughs> AIDS, cancer, oh, uh, hemorrhagic fever, pff, no problem, I got Digital. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but here's the thing. It becomes potent through the process of going through various stages and fermenting. It becomes more potent through that. And once again, so it is with our inner frustrations and agitation and things that are percolating beneath the surface. They become more potent, more pungent, more powerful. Use the right way. The gifts and talents inside of us can do great things, but things that bury themselves down deep, that become more potent, that are not dealt with by the sword of the spirit and the word of God to pull that stuff out. And by using the word of God to cast down every imagination so we don't obsess and keep rehearsing what they did and what they said to me and what I should have done and said. And we just rehearsing and rehearsing. And they could have said one small thing and it now is this titanic thing that you're ready to fire the nuclear warheads. Or maybe you got a third party and this person said that and that person said and as we, you know, everybody's heard the story of, like, one person says something simple, and by the time it travels around through 20 people, like, man, they just assassinated your character. And then we take it, and we process it, and, you know, we're creative beings. We create some negative stuff, too. 
which builds upon that anger and frustration and malice if we don't deal with it. So he's telling us here, a little leaven, leaven with the whole lump. Make sure that instead of getting yourself hindered and corrupted and contaminated by the stuff that happens, take this stuff back to the word of God. And we got to admit to ourselves, like I said, oh, I don't hit anybody. I get agitated from time to time. Well, stop being so agitated. Because from God's perspective, no. You're a breeding ground, an incubator for hatred if you don't deal with this now. God is so gracious. He warns us. He always tries to warns us, warn us, but do we heed the warning? And we all try to sit there, oh, I'm not capable of that. He goes to Cain. Why is your face down, man? I'm paraphrasing. Why is you, why are you drooping the shoulders of your face and looking at all the skirts? What's wrong with you, man? And don't you know that if you do the right thing, I'll accept your sacrifice and we'll be in right standing and everything will be back to normal? But he said, hey, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, sin like a lion or a tiger is crouching at the door ready to pounce on you. And once it pounces on you, it's going to take rule over you. What did Cain do? Oh, no, no. Not me. I could never do anything horrible. Unless you know, oops, upside your head, he kills his brother. Here's the thing. God will try to warn you and tell you what you're capable of. You'll deny it. And then the very thing you say you're not capable of, you'll do. And then when God came to deal with him, he said, oh, well, somebody's going to kill me. Well, you just killed somebody. Funny you're concerned about murder now, huh? But that's the thing. We sit there, oh, I could never do Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. As a man thinking in his heart, so is he. You think of murderous thoughts, and uh, you, we'll sit here and try to just, well, I'm not thinking straight out murder. I just want him to get his. I just want everybody to see her the way I see her. Oh, no, you're a murderer. You're a murderer. You just don't have the luxury, according to the law, to take the gun. And quite frankly, sometimes... Murder might actually be more acceptable because we'll sit there and say, oh, well, I just want them to get theirs permanently. Oh, you just sentenced them to 20, 30 years of misery. Oh, th isn't that great, Your Honor? Isn't that so great? But then we could do, we could insult 100 people and just want, you know, mercy. We want a full pardon. And I've said it before, the people that hold grudges the most, isn't it funny they never want to apologize for anything? I've only seen that. Every time somebody says, oh, well, I, I need to talk to somebody about this, and I'm mad at this one. Oh, and so-and-so and owes me an apology, and just go back and forth. You just got a full roster. Got a, you got a, a whole accounting firm. Keep an tally of everything everybody does to you. If they would sit down and try to have a mediation session or somebody will say something, they'll do something to you, and you apologize for a hundred things. I'm so sorry. Tears in your eyes. I'm so sorry I hurt you. Oh, please, just forgive me. And they won't turn around and give the courtesy. Well, you know what? When I said this to you, you know, I apologize too. They'll sit there and accept every one of your apologies and never give one. Or if they do something to somebody else, oh, we're so-and-so. They just talk bad about me, gossiped. Assassinate my character, stab me in the back, did this or that. Trying to sit down with the pastor or trying to sit down with a, a group of mature believers and hash this conflict out. Where they at? Oh, I guess they went to Betson's. Somehow they're nowhere to be found when they're the perpetrator. Oh, but God helped the world. Oh, if they, they step on your shoe. Or, or, or walk too close to you, so offended, but never want to apologize for anything. It's the height of hypocrisy. Everybody got told for what they did to me. Oh, me, 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 me. Just a bitter Cardassian, self-absorbed. Oh, it's about me. All eyes on me. Everybody apologize to me. me. Where's Jesus in all your me's? Amen? Where's Jesus? You want an apology, you should be the first to apologize. I tell people all the time, I say, I have no problem whatsoever. I look, I know I could be sarcastic. I could be abrupt. 
I can be short sometimes, especially if I'm focused on something. I could. But one thing you never, you never see anybody say, Brian won't apologize to you. I'll apologize just like that. I have no ego whatsoever. And sometimes it be like, I really didn't do anything, but you know what? I ain't got time for the beef. Tony, I'm sincerely sorry for what I did to you. Please forgive me. And I could be sitting there like, I didn't, what's she talking about? I didn't do nothing to her. I didn't say this. I didn't do that. And matter of fact, quite frankly, uh, she did this two months ago, this five months ago, and I ain't like when she said this, and she looked me the wrong way there, and I'll sit there and apologize and don't bring up none of the stuff that happened to me. That's the thing that amazes me. <laughs> People don't know the kind of grace that Pam and I give, like, you know, we'll sit down with apologies for this and that. And half the time, we do stuff according to the God, God and the Word or what the Spirit of God specifically tells us prophetically about somebody. And we go in and apologize, and then we realize, like, okay, well, you said that. You did this. You disrupted that. All kinds of stuff they did, and they never hear about it. And the thing is, I don't need it because, quite frankly, I take it to God and let him take the weight off. You know, that situation before, somebody really hurt me spiritually, like major thing, and the person ended up apologizing to me um, years later. But the thing is, because I had dealt with it according to the spirit and the word, by the time the apology came, I didn't need it, and the Lord showed me the other person needed it. They needed to come to me. I didn't need it. I was, I was good. I intentionally, I honestly was totally, perfectly fine with never doing it. But I will say the person, just the most honorable way imaginable, with witnesses, took me to the side with witnesses and said, I sincerely apologize. I misunderstand this. I judge you harshly, blah, 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 blah. Apologize to me. I was like, look, to this day, we're, we're, we're great relationship. Amen? But the fact is, I processed and did the work according to the word and in the spirit of God. I didn't sit there, oh, woe is me, 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 what they did to me. Jesus, woe is me, what did Brian Fox do to me, me, me? See, we put Jesus in the midst of our mindset and said, oh, what if we change the situation around instead of what this person did to me and how I feel and me, 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 oh, poor me, oh, victim me, oh, I deserve apology. And I can't allow the weight of what they did to me to come off until I get those work. Come on. You're Bible-believing, professing Christian? Are you that? You're so much in Christianity 101 that I can't forgive unless they come to me? Seriously? And you think you got any kind of anointing in your life, any kind of power to impact people, and you're so caught up in this petty stuff that somebody has to apologize to you or else, and you're not, or you're not going to allow them to be liberated. Because as long as you're holding something against them, there's an ungodly connection there that needs to be cut. And guess what? If that connection's there you don't, and you don't leave it on, you can try to move on to God, but you got something pulling you. Amen? You got a weight of baggage connected to you that will not, you will not, you might move forward in God, but you won't move as fast and as far as you would have as long as you're dragging that weight. You don't believe me? Go out in your car today. I can't do it with mine because it's got electronic parking brake. But if you got a car, well, I could try it, <laughs> but if you got a car with the old manual pull-up brake, just pull up a little bit and hit the gas. Put it in drive and hit the gas. You'll feel the pull of that break holding you back. What do you think the weight of your sin and agitation and animosity is doing? Oh, you might move forward. You might be in drive. But you're wearing out. <laughs> you're wearing out your system. And you may not be able to break when God says break. Because you're burning them out. So regardless of how we may feel, we can't allow stuff to get buried down into our heart. We cannot allow bitterness to come in. We cannot allow stuff to fester beneath the surface of our hearts and our minds and give justification to it. We have to let those things go. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm going to share one last one. Hebrews 12, 14, and 15. Follow peace with all men in holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Actually kind of, I've mentioned this before, a root of bitterness coming up. As we see here, 
It says the root of bitterness will spring up. So you think, oh, it's not going to affect me. Oh, I'm okay. Oh, it's just laying there. But what does it say it does? Springs up. See, one day, it looks like it's not an issue. The next, boom, it pops up out of nowhere. Full-grown plant. Almost like you put some seeds in a popcorn maker. Oh, it's just seeds. All of a sudden, boom, the whole thing is full of all those kernels that exploded and puffed themselves up bigger. It's the same thing with us allowing stuff to simmer in the heat of our hostility and our anger that's not dealt with. That word bitterness means sharp and pungent, poisonous. Beware, in other words, any root of sharp and pungent poison gets itself stuck inside of you. Cayenne pepper is something that's considered very pungent and strong. It's so strong, they said you could literally have a heart attack and you could take a mouthful or stir some in a glass and drink it. They said it will stop a heart attack. That's how potent and pungent it is. You put it in, I've done it a couple of times just for health reasons. reasons. Without water, I just took a spoonful, like, boo, it burned your mouth. It's potent. It's pungent and it's potent. But so is bitterness in your mouth in your mind, and in your heart. It's potent and it's powerful. That word trouble means to mob or crowd in, to harass or vex. A root of bitterness will allow stuff to explode, to germinate, to grow, to reproduce after its own kind. That's the thing. You say, oh, well, that wasn't a big deal. Well, it's going to spring up. And here's the thing. If it's a root of bitterness, Guess what? It's going to spring up. It was a seed. It's going to spring up a crop of bitterness. If it was anger, it's going to spring up a crop of anger. If it was backbiting, it's going to spring up backbiting. As we see here, thereby many be defiled. It's going to spread to other people as you spew out your mouth saying ungodly things or walking with an a, a attitude of agitation as opposed to allowing yourself to be purged so that despite what has happened, you can bring glory to God by them saying like, wow, so-and-so did that to, to so-and-so, but man, still walking in love. You wouldn't even know that the person had, had done that to them. Wow, look at how they're walking in so much love. Amen. And that word defile means to contaminate, to contaminate. Even the, the U.S. government, if you have a lot of people starting to get contaminated with, with some type of illness, they have enough wisdom to quarantine if necessary. Unfortunately, Christians get contaminated all the time with ungodly attitudes. And there's no CDC to quarantine them until they purge them of this disease. And we're in a nation right now that is, you know, going up in bullets, if not flames and smoke, going up in anger and hostility and divides and, and all these things going on. We have to be the ones to say, I'm not going to be defiled in the midst of this. I'm going to be the one who helps to decontaminate as opposed to to help spread the contamination further. That's the mindset that God wants us to have. But the process starts with us. We have to recognize and continue to monitor, monitor and to maintain ourselves that when these things come in, we see them for what they are and we take them back to God and say, hey, purify my heart. You know, do like David, create in me a, a, a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Allow God to do that work. It tells us to look diligently, lest any man fail. In other words, we can't be lax. We can't relax. We can't take a day off. It says we have to be diligent, strong-willed, and determined to reach our goal. You know, I, I I've shared before, during my college years, both of my parents died. I was two weeks before my senior year of college. My dad was already dead. They said my mom had six months to live. She lasted two and died on her birthday. It was a very stressful time. I had insomnia to the level where sometimes I was only sleeping every three, three days. It got to the point where I was so stressed out that there was times where I was literally um, just standing around and my hands were like, like that, just shaking. Just pure stress. I remember one night I was so stressed out, I literally went out like 1 o'clock in the morning and did a full court basketball game by myself to try to exhaust my body so I could sleep. Went back and 
lay like this with my eyes wide open the whole night. Could not sleep. Amen? Um, so stuff can have an effect on you, and it can spring up. And here's the thing with me not dealing with that the right way. I didn't know God at the time. You know, the frustrations and the stress start to take hold of me and weigh me down. Some of the people who are my closest friends now were snapping on them. And it's just like, they could be coming out, hey, how are you doing today? Get them! Just snapping. I'm going to for the guy, like, in the cafeteria. You know, you see your friends in the cafeteria line, hey, it's just a known thing. People just bump up and jump up with you. One of my closest friends there in college. Went places all the time, party together. You know, he comes up, I was ready to punch him out for stepping in front of me. And he's like, looking at me like you lost your mind. That's how stressed I was. Because I didn't know how to deal with the stuff that was simmering beneath the surface. So we as Christians, though, we have the word of God and the spirit of God. He shows us how to do these things. We just got to be willing to go through the process, amen, and realize that if you don't deal with stuff as it comes in, it will contaminate you, it will spring up, and it will not only defile you and take you off course, but it will contaminate the lives of other people. God wants us to impart his love and his spirit, his compassion, and his touch, and to open up their eyes to see the fact they need Jesus. He doesn't want us to be people that are just another part of the problem. Amen? Hallelujah. We're going to stop there today. We're going to continue on next week. Amen? So I'm just going to close in a word of prayer um, that we would really take this to heart and do our part to help bridge the gaps of division. Not that we would befriend people for ourselves, but that we would befriend them to Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we give you the praise, honor, and glory for everything you're doing in our lives. And right now, Father, we praise you, Lord, that you would do a work in us. If there's been anything that, regardless of whether it's due to current events or just something that we've been dealing with recently or over the years with our family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, people going back to our school years, that we've never forgiven. If there's anything within us, Father, that's contrary to your word and impure, we ask you right now to purge it out of us, Lord. Hallelujah. Sometimes we may have the hard pill to swallow of you showing us what it is. It might even be something that happened to us that was abusive or inappropriate, something that hurt us and made us have a different outlook on life or make it made us devalue ourselves, Lord. But we praise you, Father, for healing of, of those things, for also purging us of it in our minds, our bodies, and spirits. We thank you, Father, as we would forgive others, Lord, and walk in peace and love, even if things have been spoken against us to demean us and hinder us. We praise you, Father, that you're a God of restoration, and through us forgiving and walking according to your spirit and word, you would restore to us the things that the enemy, through his attack, and his wounds had placed within us. Purify our hearts, our minds, and also, Father, give us the capability to touch the lives of other people in this day and age. And we just thank and praise you for these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus.